0: Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Control Intelligence. I'm Mike Bassador, Editor-in-Chief of Control Design, and your host for today's podcast. In this episode, I'm joined by Mike Chen, who is Senior Director of Solutions and Technology Development at Amran Automation. More than 10 years, he's passionate about technological innovation that only comes from engineers collaborating to find practical solutions to real-world challenges. He holds a Bachelor of Science degree in Electrical and Computer Engineering from Cornell University. Welcome, Mike.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: My pleasure. So, Mike, speaking of batch size one, what is batch size one production? Why is it important? And importantly, how can machine builders and integrators help manufacturers to achieve it?
1: Well, really, I mean, batch size one is an ideal state. It's that ideal state that the industry is trending towards where the consumer can get a product tailored specifically to them at a price that they're willing to pay, of course. And at the Mm -hmm. same time, it is produced by a manufacturer that can remain profitable while supplying such a tailored product to the masses. So it's that ideal state that uh, the industry is trending towards, and that trend is accelerating. Uh, I mean, I think that we all we all know as consumers that uh, we want choices. We want choices, and that one size uh, that one size mentality doesn't it no longer fits all of us. And the right. personalization of products is becoming the normal expectation. Right? I think that uh, consumers we want choices, and we want it quickly. Uh, you think of the services out there that you see, like Nike by You, where you can customize your own sneaker or even, like, personalized snack boxes um, from all these uh, work-from-home days.
0: Absolutely. So from
1: a machine builder and system integrator perspective, uh, the way that we see it is that this trend towards batch size one means that their demand for more flexible machines and interconnected IT, OT systems, that, that is on the rise. This trend drives shorter product life cycles, and in order for the manufacturer to, again, stay profitable and stay competitive with their other machine, machine builders and system integrators, they need to leverage the newer technology as well as skilled workers to keep those designs fresh, uh, making sure that uh, production systems can still function cost-effectively uh, when they produce multiple variations of, um, of different products and of the same quality that customers still expect.
0: Absolutely. Pro- productivity is uh, certainly the bottom line, regardless of uh, how many units of a particular product are being produced. So in that same vein, the, you know, the industrial Internet of Things can help to reduce machine downtime and increase productivity, but its potential is so much more than that. How can equipment leverage data, for example, from the IIoT to respond to shifting consumer demands for that batch size one production?
1: You know, I think that we get that question a lot in the industry, and I think that um, a lot of focus is around the technology itself. But just for a moment, I'd like to make sure that we and your audience really think about the question is about how people, how people can leverage Uh, the data and the enabling technology around IIoT, right? Not just the technology itself, but how are people using this technology to respond to the shifting markets and demands? Um, we have um, an internship program and a trainee program here at Omron. So people that are new to the industry coming in, and every year when we run this program, I talk to um, the incoming uh, new pe- new people coming into industrial automation and make sure that you know we all are on the same page. That over the past half century or so, uh, automation technology. Has really always been about automating physical tasks, physical tasks that were done, you know, manually or mechanized, uh, through machinery and then, and figuring out ways to automate it. But, but really mm-hmm. the IOT, IIOT technology is an enabling technology for, uh, for AI. And when, when I think of AI, uh, I don't like calling it artificial, right? I think it's more, it's more palatable and understandable when we think of it as algorithmic intelligence. Which, you know, the industry has also started, uh, using that, that acronym as well, right? Algorithmic Mm -hmm. intelligence. And so IIoT enables the data for algorithmic intelligence systems to make, uh, decisions. So not, you're not automating physical tasks, but you're automating decisions. And each business out there, they need to think about with their, with their best people, what decisions are they willing to automate? And how do those decisions drive uh, – they could drive business decisions or production decisions or even machine operation decisions, you know, depending on what resolution some of that data comes in at and uh, what the relevance and what the confidence level is in that data. So at Omron, um, we encourage companies in the manufacturing space to, to really consider how can they leverage uh, the algorithmically created insights – gathered through IIoT data to solve societal challenges and improve human productivity as well as improve product quality or improve uh, a flexibility to shift in, uh, in response to those demands towards batch size one, et cetera. Because really veteran employees at the machine builders and end users, they have unmatched knowledge. We, we, we know that they have unmatched knowledge through their experience designing, building, maintaining that the manufacturing equipment. But that experience takes a lot of time to learn, Mm -hmm. to apply, and grow. And what we're imagining and the industry is imagining with IIoT is imagine that possibility if some of those decisions, even just a fraction of those, uh, were able to be automated or even semi-automated and enriched with other relevant data through IIoT technologies. That increases either maybe accuracy or consistency, uh, predictability of those uh, of those decisions, and could allow those those human subject matter experts to continue uh, their discovery, their development, uh, new knowledge, uh, new knowledge that they could gain and solutions that they could create. And and that's really what man- manufacturers need, right? That that with mm-hmm. the trend towards batch size one, that agility. And that flexibility to respond quickly to customers, like we've talked about, and it's easy. Uh, I think it's very easy over the past ten so years thinking about IIoT as um, a way to improve productivity and operational excellence. But now, after you know, uh, after a lot of iteration, experimentation in the industry around IOT, we also understand it helps the people, the people in manufacturing, become more agile and responsive and uh, and really remain competitive
0: Boy, your your excitement about technology is contagious <laughs> that, that that is one of the most passionate explanations of ai that i think i have ever heard <laughs> so so given given that uh those needs of manufacturers and and machine builders and integrators what specifically is omron doing to support them in adapting to this dynamic market, these these changing customer needs?
1: Yeah, so to assist manufacturers and our partners and, uh, and stakeholders, Omron has developed a framework around innovative automation, an innovative automation framework. And so innovative automation is a core value concept that we have where our products, our services, our business ventures, um, are all in the in the direction of providing manufacturers with consistent, reliable ways of ensuring that they can meet both the consumer demands and the, the, the needs of the industry, the needs of not only Omron's uh, um, industry but their industry, the customers' industry, because this is a complete societal trend towards um, towards accelerated uh, uh, customization and and batch size one and um, and the overall demands are shifting the concept around innovative automation is based on three major industrial automation trends uh, that we see over the over our history our 80 plus year history is that automation uh, the expectation of automation is that it must be more integrated it must be intelligent and it must be interactive so together these hmm. three pillars of industrial automation, Enable manufacturers to provide that highest level of quality and sustainability and operational excellence that will help meet their future demands. Um, from innovative uh, innovative automation, um, our 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 HR teams and our engineering teams and our product management teams, all of our teams from R and D and operations, et cetera, were all coordinated around this idea uh, so that our company culture. Is to innovate these products, processes, and services to enable our customers to do the same. Fantastic. What about um,
0: the workers? And um, a lot has been uh, written and talked about uh, with the the aging workforce and the uh, the shortage of workers, especially now coming out of this global pandemic, especially in skilled positions. Uh, mm-hmm. How? How are those workforce issues affecting manufacturers' equipment needs?
1: Yeah, uh, as, as I previously stated, I think that the the expertise and experience of designers, builders, maintenance, program, et cetera, uh, the the veteran employees out there in the manufacturing industry. This is a form of capital. This is a form of capital which we certainly need to consider how to properly invest for the future. Right? Are um, these uh, highly experienced uh, um, highly experienced employees, are they best utilized doing tasks and making decisions that they already know how to do and they can already potentially do it easily or you know are they best utilized uh, mentoring, future talent, driving new innovation? And I think every individual company needs, needs to have that decision and blend that uh, on their own right there's no one-size fits all answer even for that. But really, mm-hmm. as the experienced workforce pool grows uh, more difficult to pull from, not only because the pool is, is, is shrinking, but, you know, to uh, to pull uh, people, people are experienced from that workforce pool, it, it, manufacturers are really incentivized now more than ever to look at how could we possibly think differently and leverage technologies and potentially new business models to address the market demand just making sure that we're still utilizing the workforce that is available right not mm-hmm. ignoring the entire workforce uh, that, that is also available to us and not focusing only on the the highly uh, experienced and and veteran workforce so automation equipment and components uh that are out there in the market that leverage data let uh, leverage data driven or historical insights, that is something pretty critical for business continuity at this point. So, you know, making sure that that intelligence and insight is built in either at the product level or at the service level uh, for different mm. organizations. So, for example, um, we have products, right? We have industrial robots with built in interactive maintenance alarms and alerts, uh, alerts users of service intervals. And that's something that perhaps in the past that would have been. A, a seasoned maintenance or other uh, engineer to, cons- to provide that value um, and mm-hmm. decision making, but um, or in other situations like intelligent motor con- uh, motor condition monitors um, that are uh, that the product itself can detect anomalies in load conditions or uh, bearing wear. That that's something that might have needed uh, – well, was definitely built off of a lot of experience, um, uh, experienced knowledge um, and now is able to be embedded in a product. But also on the service level, right, that uh, I think that the business models around complete care service programs where uh, we can protect customers' capital investment and prolong their useful lifespan – by leveraging some of those uh, people that are in the industry and and having it as a service, not only as a product.
0: Right. It mo- kind of moves the needle a little further along that path toward equipment as a service. Um, although, I mean, some of that is uh, already available, um, but certainly uh, not to the extent yet where there is no longer capital investment, But but perhaps someday.
1: Somewhere along right. Lines. I mean, I think but that, that the, the industry is trending towards experimentation into different business models, and uh, we will all see kind of how this uh, evolves.
0: Right. Absolutely. So equipment exists. Um, there's, there are production lines. There's, there are brownfield facilities, and yet new technology continues to develop constantly. So that integration – uh of the old with the new the installed base with the, the 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 new technologies that enable uh communication and uh smart manufacturing how is important how important is it to be able to integrate the, those new components into existing production environments and and can you give some advice on the best course of action for that
1: yeah i mean it, it's extremely important i think um the the simple answer is it's extremely important because like you said the word brownfield brownfield that That's really the majority, the very, very vast majority. It's very, very rare uh, at this point that you come in with nothing uh, beforehand. Mm -hmm. Um, Integration of manufacturing technology into brownfield uh, production environments is is the norm because uh, most businesses uh, still, whether it's service or capital, invest in automation as a way to scale up. They already either have a manual or semi uh, mechanized production system or line, and I think we're going away from lines, but more uh, production systems and production environments where you don't have to uh, do a, a single line of mass production, right, uh, as, as we go towards batch size one. But there, there's, al- there's almost always going to be a current process or current equipment or current facilities that need to remain running to keep the business going even as automation upgrades are made, so it's critical to um, I would say that it's critical for people to consider installing technologies which is safe for your workers in that situation. And uh, services like a professional risk assessment, safety risk assessment, become quite critical in upgrading specific brownfield uh, environments to uh, further automate to higher automation operations. So there's, better, there's many industrial standards, or sorry, industry standards, uh, to consider, uh, not only on safety, industrial safety, but, and functional safety, but around, um, things such as network communication protocols and, um, and programming interfaces and languages, which really help brownfield customers scale their operation while, uh, leveraging compliant products, uh, and their current talent. Current talent or new talent that have learned uh, standardized uh, protocols and languages in uh, trade school, or or professional, or through experience. So many times, integrating the products over various protocols, architectures, and programming languages, it's a typically it's a pretty big challenge for manufacturers. It has been very historically for sure, um, but and, and that coexistence of the various formats uh in the production environment really increases the complexity and it, it can cut into the operational efficiency and performance but you know at, at Omron you know our products are designed with that integration in mind uh, we have Omron Sysmac automation platform it is designed to be interoperable with the vast multitude of Omron components not only with Omron components but also uh, using built-in open network interfaces and communication protocols uh, to integrate into uh, existing uh, pro- product uh, production environments.
0: Perfect. I, I kind of wanted to go back to, to AI um, a little bit with you. I thought it was really interesting with the algorithmic intelligence that you talked about. I I, I really wanted to ask about the the advancements in machine learning that are enabling AI, but from your perspective, from that algorithmic intelligence perspective, how can that information be used and shared with, say, enterprise-level reporting
1: and scheduling systems? Sure. I mean, I think they're all linked uh, eventually. In the ideal state, they'd all be linked. So there's definitely been many um, many advancements in utilizing machine learning technologies around quality. So you verify using it to verify quality in both product quality as well as uh, the manufacturing process, the quality in the process. Excuse me. Um, and mm-hmm. if we think about it as algorithmic intelligence, that, that really helps us imagine where it can be applied to solve real-world business problems. Uh, the, the question that manufacturers must ask is which decisions? Which decisions could be automated, and if automated, could solve a business need. It always starts with a business need first, right? And mm-hmm. uh, many of those answers involve uh, some data-driven decision that leads to an insight um, that that requires further action. And that further action requires. That's where it links in and ties in with enterprise-level reporting as well as scheduling systems like work work scheduling systems. If you are able to more accurately or more uh, or more confidently see a data-driven decision through machine learning, then you should be able to also more confidently uh, schedule different human operations and human uh, activities around that, right? So depending mm-hmm. on where the algorithmic uh, decision is being made, and what I mean by that is that um, there's different levels of uh, deployment or implementation of machine learning. You can, uh, deploy at the edge, edge meaning really at the machine level, or uh, locally in a facility at the, the fog, Quote I'm, I'm making air quotes, uh, you can't see me, mm-hmm. air quotes, fog, <laughs> right? And then, or cloud level, uh, which I think is the most uh, powerful and most popular, right? That will determine, where, depending on where you're applying that machine learning, that will determine um, the additional network communication and IT involvement required to securely connect that data source uh with other systems and, and that will really define the challenges on data connectivity and, and security. So our experience tells us that uh, production failure costs exponentially it, it 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 um it grows exponentially more as it travel I would say travels further away from the machine. So if you can get some type of insight and, and corrective action at the machine level, that is going to be Less expensive than as that blooms out to further systems downstream, right? So, as technology, as a technology provider, and at we are at the machine and robotics level, for mostly from Omron. So our products have access to direct access or even generate the most relevant data in real time. Our products are right there, and so helping manufacturers identify anomalies as early and upstream in the production process as possible, that reduces that risk and waste further downstream. And at Mm. OMRON, as part of our continuous um, commitment to intelligent automation, one of the other factors of innovative automation, intelligent automation, uh, we believe it's the combination, it's a combination of local edge-based machine learning with accurate and secure OT data and IT layer insights uh, that can provide the most unrealized value so far, maybe un- underutilized value to to manufacturing customers. So equipment life is expe- is extended, and that risk of defects is reduced wherever possible. So then, this final point on that, if you if you allow me, right? So uh, mm-hmm. both the operational excellence as well as uh, and you know looking at uh, both operational excellence and data compliance. You know, you're going to have data moving, data and information moving between OT systems and IT systems. It's going to have to be there. It's going to have to move to BI visualization, business intelligence visualization. So um, in our controller, as as one of the examples of doing that is with a built-in SQL client as well as, you know, OPC UA server capabilities to bridge some of those communication hurdles um, in order to uh, create an interface, an easy interface that both OT and IT can access and integrate into these uh, data and network architectures for visualization and um, and further uh, BI insights. Fantastic, great answer.
0: So finally, with, with the introduction of, of more collaborative applications to the factory floor, it seems like humans and machinery are interacting more than ever, sometimes side-by-side side even. What sort of safety features and programming platforms are enabling this interactive environment in manufacturing plants?
1: Right. So I think you've, you've already used our word of interactive, right? So interactive automation is uh, that third I word in, in innovative automation, mm-hmm. um, integrated, intelligent, and interactive. So creating a safe, interactive environment is really paramount. When, like we talked about earlier with risk assessments, whenever there's a plan to bring in new robotics or new production equipment, uh, we of course recommend starting with a professional risk assessment. And through that risk assessment, manufacturer can get help, get help determining uh, how to comply with the standards that are written in order to keep people safe. Um, in, and that could be potentially you know, coming up with safeguarding measures that make sense for the business environment as well as the manufacturing environment. The safeguarding measures could include, uh, technologies as simple as like a door interlock and safety relay, mm-hmm. but can also include, um, implementations of, uh, safety laser scanners or, um, or collaborative robots or, uh, or safety rated Autonomous mobile robots, which is uh, AMRs in in Mm -hmm. American world, right? Uh, So, additionally, uh, industrial robots that are designed specifically to operate in collaborative environments. What we find with customers that uh, we've we've worked with for years is it makes a huge difference in the worker acceptance, right? When they Hmm. uh, can can interact with the new technology at all levels of uh, of maintenance and engineering, it, it helps them. Kind of overcome their previous um, image of robots or their fear, of, and, and really accepting that into the workplace and letting them come up with new use cases for the technology. Right. So uh, collaborative robots are designed, uh, we think, to be the next level of like a superpower tool, where you know people don't use hand crank you know drills anymore. They very comfortably use power tools for that. Right. So the collaborative mm-hmm. robot becomes that next-generation superpower tool where it enhances that worker capability or capacity uh, to add value to their organization. So uh, for both experienced and new employees, really. And then I talked about, uh, I mentioned briefly, autonomous mobile robots or AMRs, such as an example is our LD or light-duty series um, AMRs. They can dynamically guide themselves Around the production line and react in real time to a human environment. They're designed specifically for human environments to avoid collision in a safe way, and that's really in, that's really valuable in enhancing the existing production environments. We already talked about brownfields, right? In brownfields, enhancing existing production environments, improving the product quality and yield while simultaneously reducing uh, production downtime. Um, so manufacturers are using AMRs are very much a trend. Um, and to enable enables customers to safely manage that production flow even without making uh, a huge investments in uh, new facilities and creating what I said earlier, like a line, of traditional production line. And really when that batch size one manufacturing comes back uh, or comes into play, uh, that flexibility is a big deal. So um, in interactive, interactive automation, uh, the, the last thing is how intuitive How intuitive is it to configure and operate some of this new equipment and technology? And, uh, and that's where I think you you said earlier about the the programming platforms and and how people will interact with it. The integrated development environment is both a trend and an expectation at this point, right? Having disparate software systems and disparate ways for people to interact with the technology, uh, it's, it adds to that complexity. So, you know, at Omron, our SysMac Studio programming software, And development integrated development environment provides that uh, easy-to-use single environment for programming, configuration, commissioning, and monitoring the entire aspect of the machines. And that also plays into how we think of uh, interactive automation as uh, as part of uh, the needs of the industry. Perfect. Can you
0: can you recap the three I's again for me? Sure. Inter- um,
1: so in our inno- innovative automation framework uh, we believe that it's all about integrated intelligent and interactive making sure that your automation technologies are integrated uh, from a business perspective from a um, from a automation perspective uh, as well as intelligent able to um, leverage data and make decisions intelligently uh, algorithmically of course, and then interactive, being safe with the human worker, really. That harmony between human and machine is what Omron has right. always stood for.
0: Yes, that, yeah, that's a, a,
1: a great summary, and
0: uh, I like that almost as much as I like the next generation superpower tool. That's probably <laughs> my favorite new expression of the day. <laughs> well, thanks so much. Thanks to all of our listeners. Uh, for joining us on Control Intelligence, the podcast for Control Design Magazine. And thanks, of course, to Omron Automation's Mike Chen. Thanks, Mike. Yep. Thank you, Mike. If you've enjoyed this uh, episode of Control Intelligence, don't miss our other older episodes and subscribe to find new podcasts in the future. You can find our podcast library at controldesign.com or you can download all episodes via Apple Podcasts or Google Play. Thanks again, Mike.
1: Thank you.